What up, what up, everybody? I'm Big Waz. And I'm Nando Vila. And we are the Woke Bros. Each week, we bring you guys lefty news from a lefty perspective, man. What does that mean? That means news from the perspective of working people like you and I. Yeah, do you think the Republicans suck? And do you think that the Democrats also suck? Well, you're going to like our show because we think they both suck. (laughs) Absolutely. So if you want the news, all Skrilla, no filler, each and every Thursday, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get podcasts, because the Woke Bros has their own individual podcast feed. Make sure you look up the Woke Bros, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, give us five stars, and say that we're the greatest of all time. See you guys soon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazley Lambray, joined as always by my brother on the west side. He's feeling pretty good today. Spain won 5-zip, advanced past the group stage. Nando Vila, yeah. what's going on with you? Uh, it was hairy there for a second, you know. Spain needed to win. Uh, they missed the penalty early, and I was like thinking, "Oh my god!" You know, Spain is the first team in the history of the Euro Cup to miss two penalties in the same group stage. Um, no one's ever done that. So, congratulations to Spain for that nefarious record. I thought everything was lining up perfectly after Poland uh, got the tying goal against Sweden. That would have been that would have put Spain on top of the group. Um, and would have put it like in a better in a better side of the of the tournament, but uh, um, but Sweden won it at the last second, and that means Spain is second. But you know we're through, so that's good. Congrats to the Spaniards, to the um, conquistadors. We wish you the best of luck in Thank the you. next round. We need it on today's show. The number one story in politics today is whether or not the Dems are going to destroy the filibuster because otherwise they're literally going to get absolutely nothing done. Uh, And Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema continue to be the divas that they are. They just love the attention. Joe Manchin is loving all of this. He loves that he is the center of American politics right now, and he's milking this thing. We're going to get into... The latest bullshit of bipartisan ruining our lives, as always. But first, New York, my home state, a place that I love and hold a dear, dear spot in my heart, Nando. Yeah. Two pretty huge mayoral primaries last night, yesterday. One in Buffalo where a historic victory for socialist candidate, that's right, I said it, socialist candidate India Walton, who defeated a four-term incumbent out there in Buffalo by a pretty nice margin, by the way. Seven points ain't nothing to sneeze at. No. That's a big win, and we'll get to that because we want to end off this segment with some good news. But first, New York City, my hometown, a place... (laughs) That I love, Nando, handed us a turd sandwich by electing. <laughs> well, not, not quite Bo- yet. 
not quite yet, but no Republicans ever going to do this. Well, but he he it also like he may not have won. He may not have won. Yeah. That's right. The votes haven't all been tallied. They're still like yeah. mail in, and New York has this weird tier system the now. Rank, rank choice voting that no one really understands right. how it works, and yeah, and nobody asks for. By the way, uh, and so the votes aren't tallied yet, but it, it's looking like Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough President, former police lieutenant, it should be said, uh, is going to sail through Nando. For people who haven't been paying attention to the primary situation in New York City, Eric Adams is heavily backed by the two major interests in New York. We know who they are. The finance bros and, of course, the real estate interests. Those are the people who run shit in New York, right? Um, it used to be the unions who were, you know, they got... They got <laughs> They got sullied. Their names have been sullied in public because of mafia ties. But the unions yeah. used to get busy mafia in New York ties. City. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what's the big deal? Racketeering, extortion, murder. Yeah. Who cares? Um, yeah. But yeah, these days, you know, Wall Street and the real estate interest, they, they make the weather in New York City. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. And this is their candidate. Make no mistake about it. And he's leading right now. Uh, the only progressives that kind of got anything going, you know, <laughs> look, we don't make light. We don't make light of me too here. We don't, we don't want to do that. But Scott Stringer, a, you know, actual progressive cat, his campaign got basically the rug pulled out from underneath it from you can call it what you want, an accusation that he groped a woman that he used to work with 18 years ago. and That he used to date. That he used to date as well. That basically, and look, again, y'all know this ain't the Me Too, the woke show. I'm just saying. 18 years ago, allegedly, this guy groped this woman. And so his campaign got completely tanked by the one accusation from somebody, by the way, who later went on to work for a political rival of his. This, there's no love lost between these two. Not to say it's y'all could do what y'all want with the credibility, et cetera, et cetera. But his candidacy was tanked after this accusation came out. Uh, you know, there were no other real... Um, no, Nando, you mentioned the, the, the lady. We had a progressive lady in the race. What was her name? Well, they had a couple progressive ladies, although progressive is kind of a generous term for some of I these. Know. They were kind of yeah, like... exactly. They weren't like Bernie Kratz. You okay. know, they weren't like, you know... I mean, one of them, Maya Wiley, was an MSNBC analyst who like spent the entire Democratic primary just bashing Bernie. Um, but she's still kind of in the hunt, um, you know, after this weird ranked choice thing. And then the other one was Diane Morales, whose campaign collapsed after some staffers accused the campaign of like, you know, not great work conditions and Islamophobia or something. And uh, and then the campaign tried to unionize and the, <laughs> <laughs> which like, listen, man, we no one no one supports like organized labor more than me and you in the media, right. but like in the context of a political campaign. It's, it's kind it's of strange. Tough. It's like a short-term yeah. thing. There's like a very concrete goal at the end. Right. You know, it's kind of a sprint, you know, for organized what labor you, is for like this a long isn't a long-term job. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so and the same if thing happened to Nixon. If your candidate loses, like <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, like 
Yeah, and like the same thing happened to Cynthia Nixon, where like the campaign tried to unionize and like they recognized the union, and, and then like they spent like the last two weeks of the campaign like negotiating whether like how many days off they were gonna get, you know. Um, and it's like, Strange. dude, it's the two weeks left in the campaign. You gotta, you gotta win the thing, you know. Wow. Um, so, de- so the two, yeah, so the two progressive candidates, which were Scott Stringer, was the the guy who like had a chance at the beginning. He was the city comptroller, very powerful position. Um, you know, he used to be the Manhattan borough president, um, long time, like New York politics guy. He wasn't, again, he wasn't like a Bernie crowd or anything like that, but he was like a progressive guy, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, he got done dirty by a me too allegation that, um, I think is like an instructive lesson for everyone involved because first of all, like anyone who saw that play out just sees like, okay, now if I, all I want to do is to take down a left-wing candidate is just find to find someone to just throw an accusation because and accuse him. Yeah. Because listen, as soon as he was accused with no evidence, just, just, just a woman who, by the way, like worked for his political rivals and things like that, who, by the way, they dated, um, they were dating um, like in the past at the time. Um, The allegation was that he groped her. Um, He, as soon as that happened, all of the left-wing organizations who had endorsed him abandoned him. The Working Families Party abandoned him. Jamal Bowman, uh, power, you know, congressman, abandoned him. Um, you know, Julia Salazar, who I know a little bit, like, uh, you know, retracted her her endorsement. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and so then, of course, his campaign tanked because that's like, you know, when a progressive loses the endorsement of all the progressive organizations, then they have no hope. Um you know, he fought the allegation. He showed evidence that, you know, after the supposed, you know, groping, she you know, tried to get a job with him and, you know, that they knew each other for like a long time. And then, you know, when she, when he didn't get it, she didn't get a job with him that she went to work for his political rival at the time was Elliot Spitzer. So, again, I think we should think long and hard about Elliot how Spitzer. we treat. Yeah, of all people. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we should think long and hard about how we deal with this kind of thing in the future because the same thing happened to Alex Morse, who ran against Richie Neal in Massachusetts. We covered that that race. Um, you know, he got like a, a inappropriate sexual uh, allegation, mm-hmm. which turned out to be just utter bullshit. But the same thing, like all the progressive organizations abandoned him and his campaign tanked before by the time he like was able to correct the record, it was too late. You know, so it doesn't even matter if the allegation is true or not. The accusation itself will cause the infrastructure of the campaign to collapse. So I think it's an important lesson to sort of keep an eye out for that. Next time a left-wing candidate, you know, same thing happened with that guy Shahid Buttar in 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 San Francisco. Like just it's clearly like a tactic that is being used and it's clearly a tactic that is working, you know. So we got to think long and hard about how we get that tactic to not work anymore. Um, because now what we got is Eric Adams, you know, most likely he won, you know, Eric Adams, which man, it has to be said is, is, is interesting. I mean, this kid, he was, he was beaten by a, like in a police precinct when he was a teenager, you know, like he was like some cops, like beat the shit out of him, um, when he was a teenager, then he became a cop, rose through the ranks, got into politics, kind of like was the ultimate insider and was able to put together a coalition where he cozied up with the real estate interests, like you said, raised a ton of cash. Um, but in terms of voters, working class blacks, working class Latinos, working class whites, the working class of New York supported this man on <laughs> a platform of expanding the police, you know, which is <laughs> interesting after, you know, 
the year that we had in 2020 in the wake of George Floyd and the protests and the defund the police thing. Um, so in a platform of expanding the police in the context of a crime wave in New York and in, and in a bunch of cities in America, it has to be said. But like, I think murders were up like 100 percent, you know, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a big can't deal. Be ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, he ran on explaining the police and he won working class voters. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of an interesting microcosm of, of national politics writ large in which like, you know, the left kind of killed itself um, or was killed by like kind of bullshit, you know, the way Bernie was, Um, you know, Bernie was accused of like all kinds of sexism, racism throughout his campaign. And like people Mm. on the left took that shit seriously. Um, (laughs) Um, And um while while the the working class of america voted in a guy like joe biden who like is just uh, you know uh the guy who did the crime bill in corporate (laughs) cash did the crime bill whatever you want to call it and you know i think it's important that we talk about what this guy wants to do right like he doesn't believe in rent stabilization like all of the stuff that he's basically espoused are of the you know who Nando um, so affectionately terms as the petty bourgeoisie, the landlord class, like the people who already got it going on. And I think it, it should be said, I think a lot of people don't understand this, that there is a large population of black homeowners in New York City, specifically in the outer boroughs of Brooklyn and Queens. Like, And these people are pretty freaking conservative. And he very smartly sort of drew a wedge between him and the sort of hoity-toity white liberal elites of Manhattan. And that resonates with people, specifically working class black, white Latinos in the outer boroughs, right? Like, they call us bridge and tunnel trash, Nando. That's a thing. That's right. Okay. That's what I call you every day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, you know, your he way very... all the way to fucking LA. <laughs> that's right. He, and you know, I think I think that's savvy politics, to be honest with yeah. you, because it taps into something real that people feel, you know, yeah. um, and you can use it as a way to gain support and a mass support of people. Um, and you know, this guy, a black guy who used to be a cop, who can easily, you know, sort of basically make himself seem different from the moneyed interest, even though he's so clearly not, is dangerous, man. That's why we always warn against this identity politics shit, because yeah. he can claim it. He's like, I'm yeah. black. The cops won't beat my ass. I still want to expand the police. We don't believe in murder. We don't believe in X, Y, yeah. and Z. Like, it's so easy to weaponize the identity stuff against the class interest. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because I remember uh, one time you talking with Michael Brooks about this, you know, uh, around the nature of policing, um, especially, you know, in the context of now, which at the time was not evident, but the context of the crime wave. Um, I remember you talking with Michael Brooks that, like, you know, there's a type there's type of cops and there's and there's detectives you know like and that often like i think that the rhetoric that came out of the left i think spooked a lot of people including mostly working class people who are the biggest victims of crime right working class people are the biggest victims of crime like very rarely do upper class uh people suffer the consequences of crime when they do it's all over the news but you know um but the, the vast majority of crime is is experienced by uh 
um, working class people. And they're, they're, they are not on board with like police abolition or even defunding no. the police. And I think That's like that, that nuanced point that you were making, which was, which was at the time, like kind of heretical on the left um, to, to, to suggest that it's, it's about the type of policing you, you want, but like no one wants you know, to call the cops and then they not show up when they're feeling like attacked or whatever, you know, like um, people want the cops to solve crimes. The thing is, like, obviously, like our cops, like in America, have a very bad record of solving crimes. And and they're definitely like way too violent, you know, for for for, you know, what a civilized society should be. But the nature of the conversation seems to be out of touch with the vast majority of voters. And I don't think I don't think there's enough space to breathe when it comes to the rhetoric on the left for you always you know you always hear the cliche of uh socially liberal but fiscally conservative which is just bullshit but yeah. i think working class ethnic people in new york are socially conservative and fiscally yeah. liberal i think yeah. they do care about uh, sort of working class economics as it pertains to their own lives, one hundred percent. But do want to see police arrest people who are making who are doing crimes? Yeah, one hundred percent. But we don't talk about those people on the left. Yeah, like those people are icky to us. People who are working class and don't give a fuck about trans people. Not yeah. in the sense they want to see trans people die. They don't think about it. That's yeah. not what their lives are about. And in fact, they are so removed from the concept of what a trans person is. They don't have smart, woke opinions about trans people. And on the left, they're seen as icky yeah. because they don't hold the right views. They don't know how to say LGBTQICUSTSTK. They don't do that. Yeah. 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 You know, they don't call people BIPOC. And on yeah. the left, they're seen as undesirable. You know, yeah. and I think we got to change that. We have to change that. Yeah. And I think that this is something that, first of all, the, the what you, you were describing, socially conservative and fiscally liberal, is probably where the vast majority of people are, period. Are. You know, yeah. like, it, you know, it, and the vast majority of working class people, which is the vast majority of people. Um, and this is true, not just in the United States, but in, in a lot of countries. Um, you know, the, the Peruvian elections just happened. And it was won by a guy who was like anti-gay marriage, anti-abortion. Um, anti what he called gender ideology, but was like, you know, nationalizing, wants to nationalize all the mining companies and redistribute funds for the poor. And he won in a very conservative country, like Peru is a country that was been dominated by right wing politics for, for decades. Um, but I think that what, you know, this is something that I think we talked about with Michael a lot was when you, when you deal with this kind of thing, it's not about compromising on any meaningful um, civil right for people, you know, like what you said, like you don't have to like compromise on any single civil right for a trans person. It's about what person. you decide to center. Exactly. You know, it's what you decide to center and, and how you kind of approach the political messaging around it. And it seems very clear that the, that centering and uh, you know, a populist kind of appeal to uh, better lives, more secure lives, um, you know, safer lives um without like sacrificing the political rights of anybody um is is the way forward but the left kind of ties itself into a knot often with that kind of thing and um and and then we get eric adams as the mayor of the biggest city in america <laughs> yeah it's crazy and you know 
and I want to and I want to be clear here because squeaky doors, clogged sinks, finicky engines. When things break down around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you uh, oh, just try not to think about it. Uh, nothing. I was just tired. I'm, I'm I just stressed a little bit. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? Take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. And if you do, you'll get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. And remember, if you get started today, you'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. Obviously, people know where we stand when it comes to the social, cultural, liberal stuff. Me and Nando are as far out there as anybody you're going to find on that stuff. Nobody could come at my credibility on how much I love the gays and the trans and the gender non-binary. And my credibility is established. But let me tell you something. Parents in a working class neighborhood who own their crib and there's all kinds of fucking crime happening two blocks away from them and they're raising children. You best believe they don't give a fuck about that social shit you talking about. Yeah, They want their kids to grow up to be upstanding citizens and they see crime as a problem. Yeah. Way bigger than any of these right words calling somebody a he or she the right way. Period. Period. And the sooner people understand that, the further along we'll be. And again, that's not to say we need to leave people behind. But at the end of the day, whether somebody calls you he or she is not as important as the concerns of parents and their children. I'm sorry. Yeah. Actual physical safety and harm and crime and schooling and these issues. Those are way more important to people. And by the way, those issues affect way more people in how important yeah. they are. And so the sooner motherfuckers realize this shit, the further along we'll be and we can get some fucking shit done. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, New York survived Giuliani and Bloomberg. I'm sure this will be fine. Um, <laughs> well, you, you came to LA. I don't know. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, that is a great point. Um, and I will say again, it's hard to not see this as a repudiation of the de Blasio regime. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, he was the freaking liberal savior with his black lesbian wife and all of that stuff. It was great. <laughs> The libs loved it. They were fucking creaming yeah. their pants and he kind of stunk up the joint. So, you yeah. know, do with that what you will. Uh, but we move on to greener pastures, my man. Uh, historic 
historic primary victory last night in Buffalo, uh, upstate, western New York, excuse me. It is up, it's still upstate, but the proper term is western New York. Uh, man, this is kind of crazy, man. A black woman, yeah. a socialist. And I want to I talk about this because when the libs in the Democratic Party establishment talk about diversity, they're not going to talk about this. No. no they're not no. going to talk about a black woman, a nurse. No, she ain't go to one of your Ivy Leagues. Yeah. No, she didn't work at Goldman before that. No, she's not from an elite institution. She's a black woman. She's a nurse. Her ideology is socialist. This is diversity, my man. Yeah. This is diversity. This is a departure from what y'all always do in y'all fucking group think. This is it. This is what it looks like. Don't just throw in some black general in your fucking administration and, and tell me, you know, when we killing all these brown people in the Middle East, it's great because it's diverse now. That's bullshit. <laughs> Bring diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of experience up in this motherfucker. This is diversity. And, yeah. you know, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this, that this woman, India Walton, could run on basically completely socialist platform and get it done in Buffalo. And like I said at the top of the show, she wins by seven points, Nando. Against a fucking incumbent. I mean, it's so hard yeah. to beat an incumbent in a primary. Mm -hmm. Imagine like, imagine if some like person primary Biden, you know, from the left yeah. while he's fucking president, you know? Or like, while he's a senator in Delaware. That would just Yeah, it's like happen. impossible. It's could so hard. Um, I think we, we have a clip uh, of... Uh, uh, of India Walton. Uh, I don't know, producer Sean, if you want to throw it up. Can you please uh, play it for us? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the entire intent of this campaign is to draw down power and resources to the ground level and, and to the hands of the people. And when we think about socialism, um, you know, we're perfectly fine with socialism for the rich. Uh, we will bail out Wall Street and banks and give a billion dollars in tax incentives to one of the richest people in the world to build an empty Tesla factory in South Buffalo. And when it comes to providing the resources that working families need to thrive, uh, socialism becomes scary at that point. So I'm, I'm very proud to be a democratic socialist. I am proud to have the support of Buffalo DSA and National DSA. Uh, I received a call from Congresswoman AOC this evening, and I'm, I'm just excited to be uh, a part of this movement that is ushering progressive politics into Buffalo. Being the third poorest mid-sized city in this country, we should be considering how we begin to eradicate concentrated poverty and disadvantage, and democratic socialist leanings are a big step in getting us there. Pretty remarkable stuff, I gotta say. I mean, Buffalo is not like a small town. Buffalo is a city of two hundred fifty thousand people. Um, you know, they have an NFL team. That means you're like a real city in America. Um, and uh, pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, assuming she wins the mayoralty in the general, which I think is, you know, from what I understand, is is likely to happen. Um, I think it'll be. She should take a page out of out of what Bernie Sanders did when he became mayor of Burlington in Vermont, much smaller city, by the way. Um, 
when Bernie became mayor of, of Burlington, he hyper focused on basically like good government, you know, like like the shit that like any mayor is supposed to do, no matter what they are, like cleaning the roads, potholes, you know, all of that, the potholes yeah. and trash <laughs> and all that shit. Like you gotta have that like buttoned up. Like you gotta be perfect at all that shit, you know, because if you are, history shows that mayors that are like good at that basic shit will will win forever. Like they'll be rewarded by the voters, no matter what, if they have like, once they're in there, if they have like all the real estate interests against them, all that shit, like as long as they like keep that shit in line, um, that's a huge source of their power. And I think like, you know, obviously like AOC um, winning, she's a, she's a DSA member um, and becoming one of the most high profile members of the house is like pretty remarkable. But I think it's different to be a congressperson than to be a mayor where you have executive oh God, power. Yeah. You have like shit that you have to be doing every day, you know, to actually run a government. You know, when you're in Congress, you're like voting on some shit and, you know, like you, you do a lot of media and stuff. But like you're not running your district. You know, that's not what you do. You represent your district in Washington, but you're not like making sure the streets of Queens or whatever are 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 clean, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so that effect that you can have on people's lives in a day to day, the management of a day to day city, especially a large one like Buffalo um that's that's a whole different thing like if she can do a good job um um as mayor you know it seems like her political prospects to me are 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 immense because just that executive experience like voters reward that shit um whether you're governor mayor uh, or or even president you know like um and history shows that the people who become president tend to come from executive uh, offices not always like Biden was a senator his whole life. Um, it's not like, uh, 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 but but throughout history, um, the people who tend to become presidents um, w, are usually governors. Obama, yeah. Freaking Clinton, Reagan. Clinton. You keep yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting victory. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I got pretty emotional watching that video because, you know, she got up there and was like, I'm not scared to tell you what I'm here to do. I'm here to help the people at the bottom. All y'all elites could feel how you want to feel. Um, it's about power to the people. And, you know, as, look, man, <laughs> 250,000 people, um, populated population city is nothing to sneeze at. This is a major American city. And this woman won talking the talk of socialism and progressive politics and you know, she she seems to be pretty charismatic and has her eye on the ball. And, you know, this is a pretty dope victory. It's again, we we say this all the time on here. It's not always that we have good news to share, but we got to celebrate our victories when they happen so that Absolutely. we can build upon them um, going forward. So, again, shouts to India Walton. Historic victory last night. Yeah. And as I said, we have to move on to some bullshit. And, you know, yesterday the Republicans blocked debate on the John Lewis bill. Blocked mm. debate. Mm. Okay. Uh, Joe Manchin told his billionaire sugar daddies while he was shaking his ass for him that we got to get some bipartisan stuff. He goes, bipartisan, bipartisan, bipartisan. The, the amount of times this motherfucker said bipartisan on that damn Zoom call, like if I had a nickel, I'd be fucking on that Zoom call because I'd be a billionaire. Um, and, you know, again, the Republicans said 
suck a dick. <laughs> Take your bipartisanship and shove it. We're not even having a debate on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used the filibuster to kill the voting rights bill, which, again, like, is not like, you know. It's, not, it's what they're going to do to everyone. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, what's frustrating about this, first of all, is, you know, I just, I fucking, I get like so tired of the Democrats, um, you know, hysterical hair on fire shit about like, you know, the Republicans are going to like eliminate voting uh, in this country, mm -hmm. uh, which they're like kind of right about. Like the Republicans are introducing like hundreds of bills in state legislatures all over the country to restrict the franchise um, as much as possible. Um, and it's like, okay, well, stop fucking yelling about it. What are you going to do about it? And the answer is nothing. They're going to do nothing, nothing, like literally nothing. I mean, this is what's like drives me crazy about this kind of liberalism is that they are obsessed with process rather than the actual exercise of power. You know, like they don't like to do it if it means that they have to actually kind of vocally use power. The one time they did it was which was to ram through this the two trillion dollar stimulus Poll after poll after poll shows that that was remarkably power. Yeah. yeah, remarkably popular. No one gave a shit that it was passed through budget reconciliation and that not a single Republican voted for it. Like no one fucking gave a shit. You know, like what they get? They got money in my pocket. Okay, great. We're gonna do more of that. You know, like. But the Democrats are obsessed with process. They think like, oh, if we don't like, if we don't do this in a bipartisan way, then you know people are gonna be mad at us. You know, the referee in the sky that referees this kind of thing is going to be mad at us and he's going to blow the whistle. He's going to call a penalty. Um, and it's like, that's just not how it works, man. That's not how this and, works. And, uh, you know, it seems like Biden's agenda, which is being completely stalled, um, like, if that is, if this is, if this is the status quo, like, if this is going to be the next year and a half, um, the Democrats will lose the Congress and Senate in 2022. And then we're just going to have two more years of Biden with a Republican Senate in which nothing is going to happen. Nothing, you, I mean, nothing. imagine Biden dealing with the fucking Republican Senate, like literally nothing, not even like the reconciliation stuff that, that he wants to do. Um, so it's just incredibly frustrating because the, the feeling that you get when you talk to some of these liberals about it and you're like, well, why don't you do something about it? And they're like, well, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. There's nothing we can do. It's mansion and cinema. What are they going to do? We can't like, you know, what are we gonna do? And it's like it's called bro. political pressure. Yes, it's like called getting in his ass. It's called when, do can we talk about Joe Manchin's daughter running yeah. some freaking pharmaceutical company with dubious credentials, making serious dough yeah. <laughs> and falsifying a college transcript? Are we get like we can start talking about Joe Manchin's life and making him a little bit more miserable? Because right yeah. now he just gets to gloat like he's some beacon of political civics and process orientation. I am so process oriented. I'm so high minded. You might as well call me fucking Plato. It's like, get the fuck out of here, bruh. You've been a corporatist dem from the fucking start, and that's all you care about. Listen, look at what when what they do to Ilhan Omar when she says something like, you know, uh, Palestinians uh, deserve human rights, and like yeah. just the entire machinery of the Democratic Party just fucking, you know, like coming on top of her and just like, exactly. you know, that kind of pressure. 
um, funding, um, like funding um, her political opponents in in primaries yeah. and, and all that shit. Like we mentioned, like there's just nothing. They don't do anything. And like this is not like just us talking. Like there's been reporting coming out from the White House that Biden keeps telling like rights advocates and shit like that, voting rights advocates, not to pressure Mansion. You know, like not to do it. And it's just it's remarkable because like the difference between the rhetoric that comes from them and their their actual actions is is just like night and day. It's fucking night and day. So I don't know, man. Like I, I like vote blue the, no the matter Biden, who, Nando. Vote blue no matter who. Like the the Biden administration, which started out, you know, which seemingly um, um, a willingness to break with some of the orthodoxies of the past with a large stimulus. Um, it's just been like that was like a brief flash in the pan. Now we're just like stuck in same old shit, like the same old shit, like just desperately trying to get Republicans to vote on your shit, which they never will do. They never will do. You know, so the only choice is like, do we concentrate everything on ending the filibuster or not? Because everything else is just fucking immaterial. You know, it's just they're not even going to vote for like this awful infrastructure bill, which is like basically just a giant handout to private corporations um, and, and in order to like win over Republicans. They're not even going to get that. Um, so, yeah. As the world turns, the Dems continue yeah. to suck fat dick. Um, <laughs> thanks for nothing, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. But we move on to better things. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about Euro Cup, what you've seen, who's impressed, who's disappointed. Man. I can't lie. I haven't watched much of it. I caught the tail end of that Sweden match and that sweet, sweet goal in stoppage time. Uh, talk to me, Nando, about what you've seen so far. Well, I'm, I'm actually watching right now as we record this, the Portugal-France. Like, it looks like I'm paying attention and making smart points, but really I'm just watching <laughs> Portugal-France uh, on my computer. You can probably see it in the glare of my eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> um, Benzema has two, goal, two goals. My boy Benzema, my, probably good. my favorite player in the world. He's um, looking good. Yeah. He just scored blackmail, two goals against Portugal. Blackmail or not. He blackmailed his teammate. That was messed up. He, he didn't blackmail his teammate. His friends blackmailed his teammate. It wasn't oh, him. Yeah, it wasn't he him. had his so Benzema grew up like Benzema grew up like in the hood, you know, like in yeah. in, in, in Marseille as like an Algerian mm -hmm. uh, son mm -hmm. of children, son of our Algerian immigrants, you know, like you know. Some rough, they don't treat you know, some rough well out in France. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you know, like his teammate was like this like white boy, you know, Valbuena, you know, and uh, anyway, <laughs> we don't have to get into that. But uh... <laughs> Yo, man, no, you're the first person in all of media to bring a cape for Kareem Benzema, bro. I've never seen case. it, but I love it. <laughs> I can make a whole thing. We, we, could, we should do a special emergency pod <laughs> when we yes, break down like the internet. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think like the tournament's been a lot of fun, man. I mean, I, I I didn't have high hopes of it because because it was coming off the back of this kind of like weird COVID season, um, and I got the sense that the players were going to be like all exhausted. Um, and there's probably evidence to that, but the, the level of play has been has been great. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Great goals, great games. I mean, there, there's been a new format. Uh, this year they expanded the amount of teams dramatically and I don't know if that has an effect on the on the level of play it has had an effect where it like lowers the stakes of a lot of the games in the group stage um, like you know very few teams are going to get eliminated from the group stage um, although Germany which is who is losing right now um, you know what I hate after a long day of work dealing with people being stressed you got to figure out 
what to eat that night. I don't feel like cooking, but I don't want to eat something that's bad for me like junk food. I want something healthy. I want to eat something that tastes good, and I don't want to work too hard or pay too much to do it. Well, guess what? What you really want, if you're like me, is Freshly. That's right. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. All you got to do is visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. Now our listeners can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. Do yourself a favor. Get Freshly. Might get eliminated in the group stage. That's a big three. deal. Yeah. Um, I think that the, um, you know, the heavy favorite going into it is France because France. they're just like absolutely stacked at every position. But they, um, you know, they're, I mean, obviously, like, it's hard to, like, criticize a coach who won the World Cup in two years ago um but his his style of play is so conservative that it just feels like they don't really exploit all of their mm -hmm. their incredible talent um the team that's been playing like unbelievably well and has kind of sneaked in um because not a lot of people had them as one of the favorites is italy you know italy which is like a you know probably after germany this the, historically the most powerful european team you know the germans are mm the second you know most powerful team in world soccer after brazil traditionally but right up right below that is italy um and you know they fought they fell on hard times a little bit in, in the last kind of decade or so but they're but they they're playing fucking great i mean they they have a very smooth style of play they you know they're like a well-oiled machine right now even though they don't have great stars uh up front i mean you know, Lorenzo Insigne is a nice player, but um, but they don't have like major, major stars um, the way France does or the way England does or even Germany or. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I like Italy. I mean, my team, Spain, has been disappointing, although I didn't have high hopes for them. I mean, they they play really well in midfield, but they don't have great players in, in, in defense or uh, at forward. I mean, Morata has just been. He's had an absolute nightmare. It's interesting um, to watch them right now, Nando, because I sort of um, became a global soccer fan 
during that greatest generation run yeah. where they were just insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this team unplayable. <laughs> no, it ain't that. I mean, that team, those teams that won, you know, which no team has ever done before. They won a Euro mm-hmm. Cup, a World Cup, and then a Euro Cup, three in a row. Mm-hmm. No one's ever done that. Um, that team, those teams were like stacked at every single position. I mean, they had just like top five in their position at every position, right? Position. Um, yeah. And so it, it was kind of like normal that they that they dominated so so much. Right now, Spain doesn't have top five in their position at any position, really. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe you can make maybe an argument for Busquets, um, who you know, got COVID right before the tournament. So he missed the first two games. Um, but I mean, maybe an argument for Busquets. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Busquets in general, but um, he's the only guy who you can say is truly like world-class at his position. Um, all the other guys are like nice players, but no one like truly great. Um, so yeah, Spain, Spain has struggled, although they won five nil today. Um, hopefully that gives them confidence going into the second round. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the story, the, the Denmark story has been amazing. I mean, you know, Christian Eriksen, hopefully he recovers. I mean, he, he had a basically like a stroke or a heart attack in, in, in the mm, opening game. Yeah. Um, that was crazy. He may never play again, but they it could clearly wow. rallied them and they've played like some amazing, some amazing soccer. I mean, they're, they're, um, they're one of like the, the sort of Cinderella teams, I would say. So no, what I wanted to ask you, Nando, who's who to your mind has been the best player, individual player in the tournament so far? Best individual player. Um well, uh poof, good question. I think uh Ronaldo, I mean Ronaldo has has four goals so far. Wow. Uh, he's been good. I mean, two of them the are fact penalties. That he's still doing that is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. All, all-time leading scorer in Euro Cups and World Cups combined. Um um but he, you know, he's he's got four goals, two penalties. Eat that I, Messi fans. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he I don't think he's been the best player. Um No. Let me try and think. Uh I mean, uh um Who's really kind of like lit it up? I mean, um, who have you personally enjoyed watching the most? Where you're like, wow, that guy's electric right now. Um, I I really liked um I really liked the way um the Netherlands have played, um, mm. and they have a guy named Frankie De Jong who's just I think playing incredibly well right now. I mean, he's just he's the, he kind of makes everything tick. Um, they're kind of like a sneaky team that could that could win it. Um, I mean, they, they have three guys that are just playing really well right now. De Jong, uh, Wijnaldum, who scored two goals the other day, and Memphis Depay, who just signed for Barcelona um, on mm. a free transfer. They're they're looking really, really good. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the French team, I mean, I got to say, like, watching Mbappe play for France, um, his growth as a player, I mean, he won the World Cup in 2018. He was already there, but he was, at the time, he was so young. He still was kind of a... Just raw, uh, raw. Yeah, he had so much talent and like in unbelievable speed. I mean, watching him at full it's crazy flight is crazy. It, watching but him when, separate from from people is it, it's like nothing insane. I've ever seen before. Insane, and he he does this thing. I mean, he's I and I think that in since then he's grown so much as a player that like even though France haven't like you know blown the the socks off anyone yet. Um, Watching him as a, such a more mature player, such a more well-rounded player, like the goal that they, you know, they went down uh, uh, against Hungary um, and, mm-hmm. you know, we got pretty hairy there for a second and they scored a goal to tie it um, through Antoine Griezmann. But 
Mbappe's play on that goal, I mean, he's standing still in the box with a defender in front of him. And then he just beats him off the dribble with speed and puts in a cross for, for Griezmann to score. Like just being able to beat a guy from st- when you're both standing still, it's so hard to do these days. You know, like defenders have just gotten better. Like defending has gotten better. And um, and few players can just do that, you know, like anymore. Very, very rare. You know, both guys just standing there and it's like me against you. Who's going to fucking, you know, like the attacker in that situation has like all the disadvantages in the world. And he just like created the space, put the cross in and and they scored. And that's just like that kind of thing is so hard. So I think Mbappe, um, I, I just think he's his growth has been incredible. Um, and if they can kind of make that make that work with Benzema, and it looks like it's starting to to work a little bit better. Um, I mean, their potential is just incredible. So, I, I, you know, I think by like, the way, you know who gives me the opposite feeling of watching Mbappe, Pogba. I'm perpetually disappointed I'm, by that dude. I'm bro. not a big. I, I don't really. I mean, he just had. He just put in a great assist to Benzema, but for their second goal. But like, I agree with you. Pogba is a very strange player to me. Um, just wildly inconsistent in the run of a game. You know, like I'm not talking about like you know <laughs> yeah. through a season. Like in the middle of the game, like you'll do something and you're like, oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> and then he'll do some shit where you're like, what are you doing, man? It's crazy. Like he giving he doesn't the ball have the, away, all kinds yeah. of shit, man. Yeah, and it's weird because he has like all the tools, right? He should he be like talent. dominant. Yeah, he should be like He's an talented. utterly dominant player, but he just never quite does it. He never quite imposes the way he could. Um, it's uh, it's very oh shit! Portugal just tied it through another penalty by Cristiano Ronaldo. So he now he has five goals in the tournament, <laughs> which is like a lot if for like a whole tournament. Like if usually like the top scorer in this one is, of these tournaments has like five six stage. goals. Yeah, this is group stage. So I mean, three of them are penalties to be fair, but still, um, yeah, two two. Wow, what a game! Um, so yeah, I've been loving the Euro Cup, man. I've been I've been fucking loving it. Yeah, it's great to have something to watch during the day because I'm not going to lie. My yeah. TV doesn't come on during the day. I'm on no. my computer. I'm doing shit, yeah. whatever. And I don't even bother with the TV during the day. It's nice to be able to turn this thing on and have something entertaining to watch. I love that the fans are back. The chanting is back. Yeah. Thankfully, nobody's thrown any banana, banana peels at any black dudes yet. So it's it's all going fantastic <laughs> there's been a there's been a couple incidents in hungary apparently um, <laughs> uh, yeah apparently in the france game you know hungary victor orban you know that whole story like they have like mm-hmm. they've, they've mm-hmm. been they've took a like a pretty fascist turn um so yeah apparently <laughs> against france you know which the french team is like heavily african right like i mean yep. just heavily mm-hmm. african defend, it's a sense mm-hmm. i mean there's like three white guys on the team um yeah which is always like a flashpoint in 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 europe uh, so yeah, but you know, it was you know, you know, it happens, it happens. It's fucking hungry, it's fucking Hungarians. Uh, anyway, we'll be keeping up with the Euros. Uh, please make sure you check out every single other Count the Dings offering Cinephobe, the Friday Mailbag, the OG show on Monday that producer Sean has been freaking killing it on. Yeah. Um, shouts to everybody that's a Patreon. Please become a Patreon if you can. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. That's how we bring you all this amazing content. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. Later. <laughs>